Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm excited you're here. I have a sexy little excerpt to share with you, and then I have an author interview with Selena Powers, who also writes romance as Maggie Preston. She is on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. She writes in the BDSM genre. If you're under 18, it is time to leave the podcast now because on my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex and erotica, sexual health and sexuality. So today, I'm going to read a little bit of an excerpt from Selena Powers' book, Mastered by Degrees. It is a part of the Six Degrees of Seduction Collection. Okay, are you ready? Let's go. I light the circle of candles around the room, turn out the thrift store lamps, and crawl into bed wearing a satin teddy number I bought on sale earlier today on a whim. Alcohol and twelve deep on the dance floor? Eh. Silky lingerie? Oh, yes. I'm not cheap, but I can be bought. It's something I think Lily would wear. Red. No, crimson. The sales lady said it complimented my auburn hair and green eyes. If it had been anyone else standing there, I would have said she was coming on to me. But it was me, after all. And neither men nor women noticed me much. I'm not hideous or anything. I am the Switzerland of sex, however. Neutral. Most of the time, I don't mind. Tonight, however, I don't worry about that. The teddy does some magic to my body. Maybe it affected my mind because nerve endings are firing to life, crackling beneath the surface of skin warmed by naughty fantasies. The cool silk caresses my nipples, making them pucker and rise against the wispy slip of material. The lacy bottom slides between my legs, stroking my pussy like the lover I dream of at night. My sex aches and tightens at the image of this phantom lover, honeyed skin and eyes of obsidian, or maybe tall with sandy hair. The face hovers behind the shadows, but I don't fill in the blanks too much. Fantasizing about your roommate or her boyfriend never turns out well. I need release, need to spiral away from the ache and into the satisfaction of a healthy orgasm. I'm alone. I push the covers down and let my hand wander across my breasts, pressing the soft material of the teddy firmly against the hard peaks. I drift into the fantasies I want to play out when I'm alone. When I'm safe. Dark fantasies. Fantasies that push me to the edge of my safety zone, then catch me when I begin to fall. The lacy thong pulls and presses between my legs, rubbing against the valley of my sex, now wet and warm. The first touch as I slip one finger inside sends shivers radiating to my toes and I arch into the touch. 
I find the center of my desire, the need, just below the surface. My release hovers near the edge, waiting for the right instant to quiver and crash throughout my body. I silence the first pleasured cry, but when my dorm room opens and my roommate walks in, the gasp ripped from my throat is more the sound of a strangled pelican. (gasps) The candles dance in the sudden rush of air. I grab for the covers, but can't hide. I've been caught. Heat, both from my humiliation and the need still coursing through my body, explode over my face. Oh, God! Okay, that's the end of the excerpt. Now, (laughs) I'm going to put all of her links down in the podcast notes, and I hope you stay and listen to our awesome chat. We had a really fun time. Again, you can find Selena Powers on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and her books are on Amazon, and she also writes under the name Maggie Preston. So check her out. Check out all the links down in the podcast notes and stick around for the amazing interview. We have such fun. Come on, let's go. Okay, everyone, I'm so excited. I get to talk to another author, another writer. I always love, love, love talking to other writers and find out what they do and how they do it and what makes them tick and why do they write what they write. It's just so much fun for me. So today we have a guest that is a writer of erotica and romance. So I'm going to say two names <laughs> because she writes under both names. Under erotica, she writes as Selena Powers. And on romance, she writes as Maggie Preston. And if you go to her links, her website and stuff, you'll be able to get to both sides of her writing. Welcome, Selena. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to talk with you. Are you having a good day? Yes, yes. It's been a great day so far. Looking forward to the weekend. Just trying to do the day job and do the writing whenever possible. Right. And I read somewhere that you are a scientist, right? Yes, I am. I tell people mad scientist by day, romance writer by night. I love that. You know, I actually used to work as a scientist too. What kind of science do you work in? My background is in chemistry. I worked in the laboratory for about 12 years, and then I moved to the dark side. I went to the quality (laughs) side of science. And for the last 20-odd years, I've been working in quality management and quality systems. Very nice. That's awesome. Yes, I have a science mind, too, so I totally get you. (laughs) We think differently, don't we? (laughs) We do. We do. Yes. And I love that you're also a writer, too. That's awesome. I haven't worked as a scientist for a long time, but um, yeah, it's one of my degrees is in science. So. (laughs) very interesting yeah it is okay so you have a website which is author selenapowers.com correct that's correct that's correct and you're on twitter as writer selena p that's correct insta as author this is hard to say authors underscore maggie underscore and underscore selena on correct right (laughs) okay and then tiktok you are authors Maggie and Selena. That's right. Awesome. So uh, I, I have this I question. That, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. I was say, I hope everybody will come by and say hi. I'm, I'm not super active on social media, but I love talking to readers about any books. So please come by and say hello. 
That's perfect. Yes, they definitely should do that. And you've got, you're on three different, three different social media platforms. So that's always a good thing to be in more than one spot. So I would love to know, I always ask this icebreaker question. What is your favorite sexual position and why? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Favorite sexual position. I like being on top. Uh-huh. I, I like to be able to see my lover. I like looking into their eyes. I like seeing the reaction on their bodies, the blush in the cheeks, the arousal. I like being able to look at my lover. That's a There's great also answer. a little power dominance too, but you know, that's a different, that's a different question. And that's true. That's true. But it's, you know, it's great for intimacy and just, yeah, reading your, your partner and in the moment, you know, moment by moment. Yes. Being present and being very, very present and attuned to their needs and your needs and their wants and your wants. Absolutely. Someone heard the saying before that intimacy is 99% what happens outside of the bedroom. Mm. And it's very true. It's, it's bringing that relationship that you develop outside of the few moments that you have in the intimate positions of a sexual relationship. So being able to show the person I'm with how much I know about them, how much I know that what turns them on, what means something to them is very important. I think that's that's what love and creating that intimate moment is all about. I think you're totally spot on. Absolutely. So I also write romance too. So so 
people ask me this question, like, how did, how did I go from romance to erotica? I know my answer. What's yours? Like, and which one did you start with? Actually, that's again, like a good question. That's actually what I was going to say. I started with erotica and I started very, very young, actually in high school. Oh. My, my very first story was called Every Tom, Dick and Harry. <laughs> and it got me in so much trouble. Um, I, I never showed people my writing as, as a young author. I was embarrassed. I, not about the subject matter, although 15, that was a very touchy subject. Right. Uh, It's been more ways than one, but uh, (laughs) I just, I was very embarrassed to be a writer. It wasn't a respected profession. It wasn't something that anyone took serious. Mm, And there was one person I confessed about my writing and I happened to tell them the title of the story and they stole it out of my locker at high school (laughs) and it made the rounds. Oh dear. Yeah. It made the rounds of school. And one afternoon I was walking back to my locker and I was, I'd been trying desperately to get this story back. And there's the high school principal standing at copy of a story in his hand. Oh no. Yes. And I was a goody two shoes. I was very (laughs) much a goody two shoes. I was a straight A student. I'd never been in trouble before. So I was just, I was devastated. And he handed me the story. And all he said was, I trust that I wrote under the name Sloan McIntyre. I said, I trust that Sloan Uh. McIntyre will never show her face again in school. And I said, (laughs) yes, yes, sir. Wow. So that was my that was my entry into erotica. Aha. Censored right from the beginning. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Unfortunately. But it let me know it let me know the power of not just words, but the power of these words that yes. people wanted this kind of story. They, oh, yeah. And it's more than just horny teenagers. Right. People wanted the, the power of the erotic story because even in my very young, very virginal mind, I knew that BDSM was something that people were curious about mm-hmm. but knew nothing about. And... So having the reaction of my friends and seeing the reaction of the principal, I knew I'd hit on something. It just would take me a really long time to figure out what to do with that. Very interesting. But yeah, very, very powerful roots there that can show you that. I mean, that's really true. Absolutely. And people do want this, which makes it very heartbreaking that it gets censored in so many stinking places. Yes, yes. And when 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 the book Fifty Shades of Grey came out, I was so excited to see it well-received. Not just well-received, right. but just it exploded. It absolutely yep. exploded on the market. Yep. And it proved to me that readers want it. They, they want to see the story. They want women empowered. They want more than just the virginal ingenue with the 40-year-old millionaire bachelor. They <laughs> wanted, you know, they wanted dark. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Whether people actually live out those fantasies or not. So many people love dark fantasies, whether they use them alone or with others or actually live them out. Most of us don't live out our fantasies. I mean, that's why they're fantasies and not reality. But, you know, fantasies have their place in our life, too. If, If our lives were everything we wanted them to be, we wouldn't need entertainment. 
That's true. That is very true. We want to dream. We want to fantasize. Yeah. Feel things. Yeah. Feel things privately sometimes with a fantasy. and Exactly. Or a book, you know, reading an erotic book or listening to an erotic audio book. Yeah, absolutely. So I saw that you're also an editor. Do you edit just your own or do you edit other people's work as well? I'm a freelance editor. I have been working as a freelance editor since 2014. Oh, nice. And I, I've been very fortunate to help a lot of new and established authors as both an editor and a ghostwriter. It's nice. been a lot of fun. I've done fiction and nonfiction. So writing erotica one day for somebody and then writing about the power of the industrial revolution the next. Oh, nice. I love that versatility too, that you can flip-flop like that. That's awesome. That's probably your science brain, maybe. <laughs> it's the right brain, left brain. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I flip and flop. As long as a spreadsheet is needed, I'm good to go. That's awesome. So tell me about your your series. It's called Six Degrees of Seduction and it's a collection? Yes, yes. The The plan is to have a series of trilogies exploring all different combinations of people. Um, the first, called Mastered by Degrees, is a uh, trio. It's a menage featuring Gabrielle Fontenot. Brie is a young college student, very neutral on sex, and she discovers one night that she her fantasies can come to life with the help of her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend. They have a menage, and she is drawn into the world of power exchange, dominance, and submission, BDSM. And it really opens her eyes to the possibilities of not just what her sexual life can be, but depth of trust and, I guess, the depths of trust that a real relationship can be. Right. Absolutely. I mean, just think of what that trust does. As we were talking about earlier, you know, outside of the bedroom, you know, that's where it develops. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I know from personal experience, the level of trust that's required for this type of relationship. And it is, it is the deepest kind of trust that I've ever experienced with another person. Most people think that it's about sex and, you know, sex is great and sex is definitely a part of it, but mm -hmm. it, at its heart, it's about trust. It's about giving everything that you are to another person and having them hold that very, very carefully and very cautiously and proving that your trust is worthwhile. Right. And and to think how scary that is to, you know, take your whole self and, and offer that to someone to hold and yes. deal with and delve into. And that's that's the title. That's sort of what the title is about. To, to some degree, mastered by degrees. Brie is somebody who's never trusted. She was not abused as a child. She was almost ignored in her backstory. Mm -hmm. sure. So she doesn't trust. And she has to learn to give herself to these other people. And in learning to trust them, she learns to trust herself. And I think that in reality, that is what relationships are about. It's learning to trust your judgment of others by putting yourself out there. And I think that's very difficult for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Especially if she, it sounds like she was neglected. So, yeah, her needs were not considered important. Exactly. Exactly. So she is, she's having to learn to trust not just others, but herself that, that her, that she can be relied on to make the right decision and, and put her trust where it counts. 
Right. Now, is she the same character that will be throughout the books? She is the same character in this trilogy. Okay, um, I see. Yeah, there's three books, Initiation, Lessons, and Fulfillment. Initiation is out now. Lessons will be out later this month, and Fulfillment will be published in April. The next trilogy that I'm working on features two of the characters from this book, Dylan and Jacob, and they will carry over to the second set of trilogy, to the second trilogy. I don't have a title for that one yet. It's kind of a working title right now, but it will be along the same lines. It will be people discovering things about themselves, discovering what they need in a relationship and learning how to not only build that in themselves, but to be able to ask that of others. Very intriguing. I like that. And you can probably explore so many different avenues through this particular setup. That sounds like a great plan. Yes, yes. I have a very real need to show not just diversity in people, but diversity in relationships, polyamory, BDSM. Mm -hmm. There's so many negative connotations out in the vanilla world these days about these types of, you know, these types of relationships. Mm. And I really want to stand on a soapbox and go, there's nothing wrong with this. As long as everybody's a consenting adult, you know, this is a, this is a normal relationship. I, I am about as soccer mom as they get. If you (laughs) met me, if you met me in the store, you would never look at me and say, oh yeah, she's a kinky person. (laughs) Right. Uh, I was the vice president of quality of an organization. You know, I'm not someone that you look at and go, yeah, there's a, there's a a kinky sexual deviant. (laughs) This is, this is a part of life for regular people. It's just different than what the norm shows and there's nothing wrong with it. So another part of what I'm trying to show is that your neighbors are doing this. You just may not know about it. Right. It makes it makes us realize that what is normal? There is no such thing as There's normal. no such thing as normal. If you're doing it, it's normal. As long as what you're doing is not harming another person, then it's normal. It's fine. Just have consent, be an adult, be smart about it. Uh, you know, do what makes you happy. Yes. And I think all the others who are looking on need to shed their damn judgment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's exactly, I think that's a lot of it. I, I grew up in a very small town in the deep South. And when I say deep South, I'm talking, we got our feet wet when we walked out in the backyard. I was that close <laughs> to the Gulf of Mexico. For um, sure. Yeah. And it's just a very conservative area. So there were things you didn't talk about, things you didn't do. And if you did, them, you sure didn't talk about them. Uh, right. So it was, there were expectations and, and what was normal was, was very, very evident in everything we did. So I knew from a very young age that I didn't fit the definition of normal. Mm, right. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I poured right, a lot right. of it into my writing, whether it was the, you know, the YA stories that I wrote you know, showing a lot of it was young girls suddenly receiving extraordinary powers that allowed them to escape their life mm, to, sure. you know, writing erotica at 15. Right, My right. stories are about characters that do what others can't. And I think that's the beauty of being able to write and yes. writing itself. Absolutely. And others can like, you know, dial into that by 
reading the erotica and experiencing it. It is. I, I started reading romance very young. I found a stack of books. And when I say stack, I meant floor to ceiling, Harlequin right. romances <laughs> in the closet of my my very, very Southern country grandmother. And I started stealing books from her closet at a very young <laughs> I love age it. and hiding them from my mother, my very Catholic mother, has gone ballistic had she known I was reading those. But right. I... The power of those books was very important to me. It wasn't so much about the sex part of it. It was the fantasy, the power of the words, the story to take me out of my world and put me somewhere else. Uh, that was that was what books were about when I was growing up, whether it was some world creating by, um, you know, Madeline Lingle in a, a Wrinkle in Time or a biography written about Betsy Ross or a romance that took me to the wilds of Alaska in the gold mining days. Whatever it was, it was taking me out of my world and putting me somewhere else. And even that's that's true about the erotica I write, about the romance I write. It's it's true about everything. Yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And I was totally an avid reader as a young child too. It makes me think of somebody I interviewed I think they said their grandma called their armchair their space machine because yeah. she used to, she loved to read and she'd sit in her armchair. Like, that's great. That is so true. <laughs> it is. It is. It, the book is the power to go anywhere in the universe. Yeah. Now, before we move on from your books, I forgot to mention where they're located. What, what, where are they sold? I mean, I'll put the links down in the podcast notes, but. Also, where are they? Where do you sell them on? What site? All of my books are available through wide distribution, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Apple, all of the regular distributors. The links that I have available on my website will take you to the general website landing page that'll take you to all of the distributors. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to make sure we got that in there and didn't forget Thank to you. mention that. <laughs> That's an important piece, right? So people know yes, how to find yes. this. I noticed also that you were part an anthology, a fantasy erotica anthology, erotic bedtime stories that recently was released. Yes, that was such a great collection. And even better is it benefits the Trevor Project. What's that? Um, the Trevor Project it deals with abuse and neglect from trans and gay youth. Okay. Uh, it helps support pro and provide counseling and help to to anyone who needs it. Yeah, I think I had heard of it, but I couldn't quite place what it was. But yeah, that now I remember. It's, it's a great collection, 11 stories. They're all a twist on a classic fairy tale. Mine is Beauty and the Beast, and it's called The Beast and the Barkeep. Nice. That sounds very interesting. So they're all like retellings of stories? Or, Retellings um, or slight twists on a classic tale. Mine is just kind of a modern take on Beauty and the Beast. He's a very powerful executive. She is a bar owner in the French Quarter, and they make a deal to save her family. She marries him and is switched off to his quote unquote castle. Mm. And, you know, then it's about the power and them falling in love, falling in lust, and the relationship that begins to develop as they find out that they're attracted to each other. 
Yeah, it's a very delicious tale. <laughs> oh, I, I think so personally, but I think I'm biased on that. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It deals with my home state of Louisiana. I love for the Fridge Quarter area. And yeah. there's a lot of mystery and beauty and just romance about the Fridge Quarter. So setting, at least starting the story there was very fun for me. Yeah, it's a very beautiful town and it's just so oh. unique. I was there a few years ago and it's just... And walking around is just an experience, you know? Yes, yes. You can you can see anything. There's so much architecture, there's so much history in the streets, and then you have got the artists and the yes. uh, fortune tellers that hang out around the square. It's, the musicians. it's a little bit of everything. The musicians and yeah. fantastic food. Let's not forget food. Oh yes. What I always say it wrong. Is it beignet? Those like um donut kind of things. Did the, I say the, it? The beignets. Yeah. Beignets. beignets. Okay. Okay. <laughs> those are yummy too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. How fun. How fun. You know, when I was there, there was some dude that was like all gold. Like, I mean, he was totally gold. All his clothes, his skin, everything. And he was being a statue and he would change how he was he sitting. Would- that's pretty cool. They still, you can still find the living statues every now and then. It's really fun sometimes because people think they've found a living statue. So they'll be standing there taking pictures with the statue and then come to find out it's an actual statue. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we had that happen to us. We spent a weekend at Thanksgiving in the French Quarter. And one of our one of our friends was was doing that. He was he kept saying, "That's a you know, that's a person." And I kept going, "No, it's not. It's an actual <laughs> statue." And oh, we, that's pretty funny. Finally, had to go poke the person, you know, poke the statue. <laughs> it's it's really a statue. <laughs> I could that could be quite a story to like a horror story or something. Like, yes, yes, it really I, is a person. <laughs> if they had jumped, I think I would have been uh, on my backside <laughs> on the street from from being surprised. Absolutely. (laughs) Such a fun area. So tell me, what is your favorite part of the writing process? Do you like to your initial creation or do you like to edit? Which I hate. Some people actually like to edit. I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, who are you? (laughs) I, I like the creation process, that research and the development, that scientist part of my brain comes out and I create spreadsheets and charts and just figuring out who these people are the characters take on a whole life for me a lot of one of the questions I get the most is how do your how do you develop your characters and to be quite honest characters come to me fully formed they Mm. introduce themselves they tell me this is my name and this is my birthday and this is what I want to do and They are real people to me from the very beginning. And I know how crazy that can sound to a non-writer. Right. But they they tell me who they are. And then I just have to write their story. Very uh, cool. And I've, I've tried to write a story that doesn't fit my character. And you can't do it. <laughs> right. Uh, book three in my romance series, I tend to write very spicy romance. And books one and two in my romance series are very spicy. But book three, the characters did not want to have sex. Do you ah. know how hard it's very difficult <laughs> for a romance writer to have characters that don't want to have sex? I know, right? Sounds and, like a challenge. It is, it is. I tried to make them have sex. I put them in bed together. <laughs> I, I I did everything I possibly could, and they would not have sex. 
<laughs> How dare they? <laughs> I know. It, I was very <laughs> aggravated with them, to tell you the truth. It caused a lot of writer's block. Oh, but, I bet. Um, I finally just had to go with the characters. She was, she was not the type of person to jump into bed with someone that she just met. And more importantly is his character was there on business and it was a, an ethical decision for him not to go to bed with a client. And Mm. I know how strange that sounds. These are fictional characters that I had created, (laughs) but I could not make them have sex. Yes, it was very (laughs) aggravating. But in the end, it worked out best for the story. Now, I haven't had that trouble in the erotica. Everybody, it's keeping people out of bed more than likely. No, Um, right, right. Everybody just jumps into bed right and left. It's (laughs) it's keeping keeping it down to three right now. Uh, Yeah. I like the number three. Number three. It's a good number. (laughs) It is a good number. It's a very good number. It is. Sometimes I have a hard time, like if I'm trying to write a, a romance piece, like the erotic part of my brain will be like, okay, now they do this. Oh, no, wait, they can't do that. Can't do that. And I have to like pull myself back. And like, yes, I've had that happen too. Or <laughs> like, no, they can't do that. What's really fun is when you're trying to write in public and you're trying to do the logistics of a, a sex scene and you can see me and I'm, I'm sort of moving my hands. <laughs> really, like, okay. If they put this here and then yeah. that has to go there. Right. So you're, moving, you're moving your body and it's very formations and people are going, what are you doing? And I try, I just don't explain anymore. Like I'm writing a book. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's pretty funny. Just trust me. I need to do this. Don't worry about it. Yes. You'll, you'll, you'll thank me later. (laughs) Exactly. That's funny. So obviously when you're writing, you start with the characters or do you already, or do you more think of the scenario first? Honestly, yeah, it honestly all comes at once. The characters, okay. my, like, in in this story, I knew that Brie was a college student. I knew that her, her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend would invite her into a threesome and then introduce her into the world of BDSM. I knew that in one single breath with nice. the story. So then it was just developing the power. And the book started as initiation started as a a very short story. It was one scene that I wrote many years ago. But I knew when I wrote the end to that first 20 pages of the story that it wasn't the end. Hmm. All three characters were telling me we have way more story. So it wasn't until recently that I said, okay, you're going to get the rest of your story. And then it just wouldn't shut up. Um, (laughs) They they've you know, given me 20,000 words to write. And then once I started writing, Dylan and Jacob were like, okay, we need our story now. Right. And I've got other characters in there going, okay, when is our story coming? And that's <laughs> where it all started. It's just six degrees of seduction. They they all wanted a book. They all needed a story that needed to be told. So I think that's how it goes for most writers. Yeah, that's very cool. And And you know, the awesome thing about that is, you have so much content that you can develop just from that, that it's just it's amazing. And, you know, it's, it's, you're going to be able to create a lot from that. I hope so. There's so many characters that have really jumped off the page for me. There's a new character in Fulfillment that I'll introduce named River. River is non-binary. River is this 
incredibly vibrant character who's just dying for a story. I don't know quite what to do with River just yet, but Mm. River will have a book. River has told me what the story needs to be, and I've got to figure out how to tell it. River deserves their own book. Yeah, I, I I really love that name. I think that's such a great name. It is. It is. Mm. You'll love River. River River plays the MC at BDSM auction. Oh, okay. And later, yeah, later River is the uh, door, I guess, door person at a club that mm. my main characters go into. Okay. So you see a lot of different sides to River. And I want to play on that. I want to show this character. The non-binary is just one facet of the personality. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a very important aspect in our society right now. People yes. are very hung up on the identity. When yes. somebody says, I'm I'm gay, I'm straight, non-binary, I'm trans, they get very hung up on that definition. Yeah. And I think that's really just a very small part of what somebody is. We have to look right. at the entirety of the package. And exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like seeing someone who has depression that, that that's all they are. You know, you, yes. you it. it's no different. You know, I, someone I has, so. yeah, someone has anorexia, they're just an anorexia. No, no, no. That's just one piece of who they are. It's just one piece. Yeah, that's true. I think things are getting just so segmented and you know, people are getting so labeled. Oh, you're that, you know, and it's like, why is there so much focus on that? They're, they're a whole person. And I'm not trying to, I'm really not trying to create a soapbox with these books. I'm trying to show characters that are fully formed. Mm-hmm. I, I want people to see something beyond sexual positions and right. hopefully really good love scenes and characters that get there happily ever after or happily for now. I, I want to show that everybody deserves that happily ever after, regardless of who they go to bed with, regardless of how they dress, regardless of the identity, everybody deserves a happily ever after. Oh yeah. I I don't think I could ever not write happily ever after or happily I, now. I, 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 it's not in me. I don't even want to read that stuff. I'm sorry, people that love that kind of thing. I, I don't want that. I want it to be good. I want to be happy yes. when I read it. I I remember many years ago, I read a book that did not have a happily ever after. Mm. In fact, the ending was very much the opposite. Mm. I I was so upset. I was physically distraught reading right. this book. Yeah. And I know it's naive. I know the world is not a happily forever kind of place. Right. But I don't but. pay my yeah, I don't pay my $7.99 to $12.99 for reality. Yeah, I right. I want, yeah, I want happily ever after in my books. And if you're telling me a book is a romance, or if you're telling me a book is going to give this pleasant look at life, I want the happily ever after. I do too. And in fact, if I read something and it doesn't end that way, I feel like I wasted my damn time and I'm kind yes. of pissed. Yes. That's just me. You know, I know people out there love their nasty endings. Fine. You can have it. I don't want it. And I'm not going to write it. <laughs> I, I want to be prepared for it. Well, it's I, true. true. Yeah, but I, I want yeah. to be prepared for it. I'm, I'm reading. I just finished a, a young adult book. And I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to say the author. Sure. I actually, I liked the writing a whole lot. 
the author is very talented. I, I loved everything about the story in general. The characters were well-developed. However, it was a young adult and the relationship in the book was very toxic. Okay. As a mother, I had trouble with this. This is a young adult book. These were high school kids. Sure. And this was a toxic relationship. Right. And the author had a note at the end of the book. She wanted to show the character's growth as a person. That's wonderful. I think that's great. Show that a young girl can be this way at the beginning and she she sees what's right and wrong in her life and she changes for the better. I love that. Mm-hmm. But yep. what the story did was she needed a boy to be nasty to her in order to make that realization and make that change. Okay. And I didn't like that. Sure. So I, I, and I know that's very personal. It's a very personal take for me on a book. So I was a little disappointed. I thought the book was presented as more of a romance. I didn't, I didn't really like that. So if I had gone into it knowing it was a toxic romance kind of book, I probably wouldn't have read it. Sure, sure. But yeah. I want I want to, to be very clear about what I'm getting when I go into it. Right. Right. And I think too, you know, that is obviously something that happens in reality. So you know yes. I understand why that's included in a book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if it doesn't turn happy for me, then I just yeah, I have a hard time with that. And yeah. We all have our triggers too. That's the other thing too. And, and I, it, I think that's probably a lot of it for me. It, it could yeah. be a trigger. It could be a trigger mm-hmm. for me. I have to think about it a lot deeper. I literally finished the book two nights ago. So oh, I'm sure. still kind of processing it. Yeah. But yep. um all of my books, I, I try I don't think I write toxic romance, even with the BDSM. The kink, the poly, I don't think I write toxic romance. These are all very supportive, loving relationships. They're meant to bring out the best in people. And that's, I mean, I think that's, that's a lot of people like to read that. And they don't want to read this nasty stuff that, I don't know, I'm sure there are people out there that do. But <laughs> and more power to them. If you like it, yeah. there's plenty mm-hmm. of people writing for it. I think that's great. I think that there's great that there's something to read for everybody. That's true. Um, and I fully support the authors that do it. And I fully support the readers that want to read it. It's oh, yeah. just, it's not what I write. I don't write the the darker romance. I sometimes like to read it. it depends on what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my romances are about discovery. They're about finding your inner strength and hopefully putting that all together to find your happily ever after your happily for now. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's important for us as writers to try and have that in the book blurb so that people know, like you said, know what they're getting into. Exactly. Know what you're getting into. When you, I, my, my blurbs are going to be very specific. This is a book about discovery. This is a book about a threesome. This is, you're going to get kink. You're going to get a lot of explicit sex, but it's about happiness. I I like romance to be about happiness. And the other thing I think it does is if, if we're very clear about that in the blurb, then that that takes away the power of some people who are going to turn around and give you a nasty review. You know about, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You didn't you sold me one thing, but you get, yeah. Right. So you it's, gave it's, me something it, else. Yeah, exactly. Because you get people that do that. And then yeah, there's a lot of people that just totally miss things in your book. And that's frustrating because you can't 
talk to them and be like, no, you didn't think of it the right way. You're supposed to think blah, 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 blah. I know. And yeah, there's nothing you can do. Everybody's has a right to their opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I, if I do my job as a writer, then I'm, I'm showing you in the blurb, what you're going to get. And I'm showing you in the story, what my blurb has told you you're going to get. So it's all up to me. It's, it's my responsibility to write the story that I promised. I give my readers a promise in the blurb, and then I have to support that with the words in the story. And I, I didn't want to elaborate on something. For me, romance is about happiness. That does not mean it is without challenges. That does not right. mean it's without conflict or pain. Right. You've got to work at something. Anything worth having is worth working at. Yep. And it's, it doesn't mean it's easy. I still think that for me, for me personally, and for me as a writer, I like the happily ever after. Mm-hmm. That's me too. So I totally understand that perspective. That's what I strive for as well. So do you find that you write more about your own personal experiences, like growing from that? Or do you feel like you write more from your fantasies or just kind of an even mix? There's a lot of me in every character that I write. Mm -hmm. Um, I sometimes get a little worried about how much of me I'm into these people. Right. It's it's scary sometimes to think that other people are getting to know this much about me. <laughs> uh, I I write who I am at the beginning of every story. The character is who I am. The arc of the story is who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And every story ends a little bit differently because there's a lot of different things that I I am and have accomplished and a lot of things I still want to be and still want to accomplish. So every book ends a little bit different. Every character learns different lessons, but hopefully every character is learning lessons in a book, whether it's romance or erotica or young adult. Um, One of the spreadsheets that I, one of the spreadsheets I do is called Lessons Learned. And Mm. I identify what my character needs to learn in order to achieve their goal. Nice. That's a very, that's a very, analytical way of doing it I know but I think it's important that I show that in the book that this isn't just something that they decide oh I'm going to be happy today right. happiness doesn't work that way unfortunately you you have to do the work to get it yeah well it helps you stay very clear and focused on that I would say instead of just straying all over the place you know that, yeah. doing that kind of thing I could see how that would be helpful I hope so so are there areas that you write about that you're just really curious about so then you find yourself doing research? Almost all of my books, let's see, my romance books are set in South Louisiana. A lot of what I write is set in the area that I know from my childhood and from mm-hmm. places that I've lived. Sure. Uh, they're about different things that I've learned, but a lot of my characters tend to have jobs that I have no idea what they do about. Right. Book three in my romance series, the character owned a whiskey distillery. So I had to go, darn it, I had to go research whiskey. <laughs> it was a right. hard job. I know, it was terrible. I had, just, I had to go to all these whiskey distilleries and just... Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So there's always research to do. I want to be very, very authentic. The, the romance book I just finished, my main character is actually visually impaired. It's been the mm-hmm. most challenging book that I've written so far. I bet. Um, 
it's a it's a very difficult book to write, not because he is visually impaired, but because I want to do it right. Like so many other things, this is just a part of his character, but I want to make sure that I do it right. So uh, some parts of the stories are easy to write. The, the love interest, the emotions, the sex, that part of the story is usually easy for me to write. It's, it's written from experience. It's written from fantasy. The logistics sometimes is, are things I have to, to research more. Oh, yeah. So you do. You want it to be, you know, you don't want it to be just made up stuff. You want it to be yeah. legit. Yeah. I want my readers to feel like, yeah, that could possibly happen in real life. Oh, absolutely. Do you like to write in first person or from a male point of view or female point of view? What's your favorite one to write from? And um, my romance is all written third person, dual point of view, one from the male point of view, one from the female point of view. Okay. The erotica is written first person, and that was very much a detour from what I normally do. Mm, okay. But it was a very personal story for me. I don't want to mm-hmm. say it's autobiographical, but there's a lot of me in this story. So when I started writing it, it was written first person. I did change it over to third person at some point, but I kind of go back and forth on what I want to do with it. So it's, it's in first person right now. Yeah, that is hard to decide what to do. I think sometimes, you know, sometimes it comes to you, like you said, you just know. Yeah. Bree's story, Bree's story was a first person story. And then as you go through the trilogy, is she first person throughout the whole trilogy then? Do you, is that how it, you do it? It is. It is a first person throughout the three books. Right now, it's, I don't know if the other books, the other books are probably going to be in third person. And honestly, I think that's just the way Bree's story came to me in first person. Sure. She she talked to me in this way. Dylan and Jacob right now are talking to me in third person. It's it's very much a, uh, I don't want to say normal, it's a, a typical way that I write, which is in third person. I'm telling the story that my characters tell to me. Brie was a little more of a personal story and mastered by degrees. Okay. Very interesting. It's fun to, I think it's fun to do it in different ways. And I think every story, just kind of the character has their own way that seems to fit best. They do. They do. Every character is different. Every character has a different voice. And Bree's voice was more my own. So, what so is I got your... to tell her story personally. I know. Isn't it kind of nice to be able to do that? I mean, one thing I really like, too, is that you can use what you want that is from you, but then you can add in all this other stuff that isn't you. Yes. And that's the, that's, that's the intricate dance. And that Often, sometimes only the author knows what is them and what is not. And that's the mystery. And we never tell. No, exactly. I know I've had people <laughs> like, well, have you done everything? Well, no, it's not. It's not a memoir. It's not yes. a memoir. A lot of me is in there, but I'm not going to say which parts. <laughs> but yeah. totally it's not a memoir. Because a memoir is totally different. And but we can put ourselves in, in any character as much as we want or as little as we want. And that's the beauty. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you've told us your plan with your 
series, your trilogy, do you have any other short-term writing goals that you're working on? Short-term writing goals right now are to finish the publication of Mastered by Degrees. I'm working on the next set of trilogies for the Six Degrees of Seduction series. I'm shopping around a standalone romance right now. Mm. And I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to continue my existing romance series called Hearts of Louisiana. I've got a book planned out, but I haven't started writing it yet. Okay. I've got several short stories that have come out over the last year and a half. So there's a lot of projects kind of up in the air. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to narrow my focus a little bit so I can uh, just be a little more consistent in what I'm publishing. Um, I'd really like to focus more on the Six Degrees of Seduction series this year. And then as you do that, so you're you're doing each one singly, and then are you going to package them all together at some point? Oh, probably, probably at some point. Once I release all three books in a trilogy, I'll probably release them as a back set at some mm-hmm. point. Sure. Eventually in the Six Degrees of Seduction series, I don't have a set number of books planned right now. There's okay. at least three trilogies that I have tentatively formed right now. That's a total of nine books. So once I get to the nine books, I'll kind of see where I'm going. And then after that, honestly, have no idea. Well, there's no need to know, right? There's, it will come, <laughs> it will come when it comes, right? <laughs> it, it does. It does. It's it's amazing. When I started the short story so many years ago, because it was 20 pages. It was 20 pages, a single sex scene that just would not let go. And now it's 20,000 words and moving into, you know, a whole entire series. So I have a feeling that the characters will keep talking to me and wanting more books. I'll write as long as they're talking to me, as long as these characters tell me they need a story, I'll keep writing it. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I just, it's amazing how that can sometimes change or as they they change or grow, things you may create something different than you originally intended. Yes. Yes. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So what's one thing you know now about writing that you wish you had known years ago? I'm never going to be as good today as I'm going to be tomorrow. I, I, I used to struggle over every word that I put on paper. I would just look at the blank page and get so distraught because it was a blank page. And I'd sit there and I'd stare and I'd go, okay, what's the perfect word to write down in this instance? And it really, it made me such a slow writer. Sure. And and now I realize it's not important what word I put down. Just put down the word, write down the story, because that's what editing is all about. Editing is about finding that perfect word later. Right. Because you can't edit what's not there. Right. Yeah, you can't. What someone, one writer told me, you can't edit a blank page. Exactly, exactly. And (laughs) learning that lesson was so important to my writing. I'm still not, you know, I'm still not this phenomenally fast writer. If I'm lucky, I write a thousand to fifteen hundred words a day. Okay. I you know, and that's that's really not all that fast. Right. But it's a lot faster than I used to write. So I'll take it. I'll take it. I still have a full time job. I 
Uh, writing for me is still something that I have to fit into the cracks of life. Right. So if I can write 1,500 words a day, then I've done good. And if I can yes. do that in under three hours, that's even better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you can get it in, that's all that matters. And you're making yeah. progress. And I'm the typical writer. I have scraps of paper. I have post-it notes. I have <laughs> napkins that I've stolen from oh, yeah. the restaurant <laughs> with little tidbits of notes. I keep a notebook everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm writing down ideas everywhere, but then it, uh, they all have to come back to a central location. So right, right, I love yeah. the cloud. I absolutely adore the cloud. I can upload from my phone anywhere that I am. I can upload right. a file that I've created from my phone. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That is such a great thing to have a phone it to you just type down things or, you know, just make a note or email yourself. I've done that yes, too. <laughs> yes, I've done that. I've done that a lot. Email was the best invention. And then uh, email from your phone. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't lose near as much as I used to as far as notes and wonderful ideas that happen in the middle of the night that I, oh, I said, yeah. oh, I'll remember that in the morning. And then I've uh, no. forgotten it. Yeah. You lose it. I know. You, if you don't write it down, you tend to lose it. You don't write it it's down gone. right away. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird phenomenon, but it happens to all of us. <laughs> it, is, it is a common story. I think any writer will tell you the same story. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I've had a few stories that I've written that I actually dreamt the entire thing. And I remembered it. And I, there's one book that I need to go back and revise. But I dreamt the entire thing. And I remembered it. And I'm like, wow, this thing never happened. So it's like this weird phenomenon. I'm like, wow, how did how did this happen this one time? You know? <laughs> I. Very same story. I've got a psychological thriller that I'm actually working on right now oh, called yeah. Unspoken Rules. And I was uh-huh. living in North Carolina and I woke up one night and the main character just started talking to me and told me her entire story mm. from start to finish. Yeah. And I was like, I got up and started writing and I just took it all down for about three hours. That's awesome. And I just, okay, this is going to be a book. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is, it's fully done. I haven't touched it in a really long time, but it is a psychological thriller too, but it's an erotic romance also. But, and it's Ooh. super long. As I, I think I reached the 90,000 K mark and I'm like, oh boy, do I need to pare yeah. this down? You know, <laughs> it's long. Well, mine, I'm not even a fourth of the way through this book and I'm at 40,000 words. Oh boy. Yeah. I know. I know. Going to be a long one, and and I can I can hear it now. No, you're going to have to pare this down. I'm going. I, I can't. It can't. And it's like you, you don't even want to cut out like an erotic scene, a sex scene, because it's got little cool things in it. You don't want to go yes. away. <laughs> yes. Those words, I mean, they're hard enough to put on the paper. When they ask me to I cut know. them off, it's like it's like no. cutting off. Yeah, it's like cutting off an appendage. I know, and I'm terrible every time I revise something. Every time. I end up adding words. Oh, I know. Like, my oh, damn. <laughs> the, the romance that I'm shopping around right now, I had a, a mentor, a friend of mine, go, just put it at 99,000 words. He said, yeah, but it's crept up to like 101,000. She goes, oh. don't put that down. <laughs> 
because every time I, yeah, every time I edit, I add, I guess, well, I have to tell them this and I have to, I have to beef up that. And I've, I've added like 5,000 words in the last edit and I'm going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? I know. So, you know, that's where I'm like, okay, I just have to be like done. Okay, it's done now because if I go yeah. through and I'm going to add more words. Exactly. <laughs> you, you have to almost lock the file down so you don't add more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what would you say, what's your definition of success as a writer? You know, I used to have so many different ideas about what success would mean. New York Times bestseller, living off of the royalties, all of Mm. those kind of things. Sure. Success for me, honestly, is people reading the books and having somebody say your words touched me. Right. The emotion that I pour into these books sometimes comes from such a deep place. It's very, very personal for me. And knowing that I reached a reader, that somebody else says, I understood what you felt. I, you captured my emotion. Uh, what you wrote helped me. I think that would be success for me. Yeah, yeah. I totally identify with that too. I mean, it wouldn't also, I mean, I wouldn't mind if somebody picked up an erotic story of mine and said, you know, you really got me and my partner. You really, we really had a good time thanks to your books. I mean, that would be success too. That would be great. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That's what we want. You know, we want to move them. We want to move the reader, make them feel things in all different ways. But it's, it's about, it's about connecting to the reader, but a lot of it is, is helping the reader connect to themselves, to an emotion, mm-hmm. yep. to a piece of themselves maybe they don't understand yet. Right, exactly. And that's a great thing too about erotica. I feel like it's a way to explore fantasies that we've never actually done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember as a, a, a younger woman uh, thinking that the fantasies that I had were so out there, so in left field that I'm, there must be something wrong with me to have these kind of fantasies. And then the internet came along and I got to do research and I discovered a community of people, a very regular, normal people who had the same kind of feelings. Sure. And it was such an emotional breakthrough for me to discover, number one, I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. But number two, that it was okay to feel this way. And I, I think if I could do that for somebody then nothing else matters. If, oh, yeah. if, I can, if I can help somebody discover that they are not alone, I, I'd call it quits for the day. It would just, that would be everything. Absolutely. I think that's just, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Do you have any authors that you admire that you'd like to highlight for us? I absolutely adore Dorinda Jones. Okay. She is, I will read anything she writes. If she wrote a grocery list, I would steal it and (laughs) read it. That's awesome. Uh, She writes the most incredible uh, characters. They have depth. They have backstory. They're snarky. They're intelligent. She writes the hottest men on the planet. Oh, my Uh. (laughs) God. Just the most incredible male characters. Nice. Uh, her women are phenomenal too. They're strong. They're independent. They 
don't need a man in their lives to be complete. The the men in their lives just add add something better to to a, a pretty good thing. So I like that about her stories. Mm-hmm. A couple of other authors that I really like, uh, Isabel Jordan. She writes uh, snark. You're going to hear me say snark a lot. I love sarcasm. Sure. I love characters that can really put off that one-liner. Isabel Jordan is one of those. Kim Harrison. Those are probably the top three that I read at any given time. Whatever they whatever they publish, I will buy and read. Alexis Hall, T.J. Klune, uh, Rainbow Rowell, Friedrich, uh, Friedrich Bachman. Okay. Very awesome. It's always good to hear what other people recommend, you know, just to add to your, your wish list of reading. I have so many books I have to read that are already loaded on my Kindle. I'm like, I know. And I'm in the middle of so many books too. I'm like, ah, I just need to like focus on one and finish it. I'm like in the middle of so many. Are you one of these readers? You have three books going at once. Oh, absolutely. If not more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've always been that way, even as a kid. Like, you know, that's just how I was. And when I was in college, it was fine. I would be reading textbooks along. And then I would go read a, a fiction book, you know, a like fiction book. Yeah. If I, you know, I was one of those people, even in college, if I had like a weekend to myself, I would just sit there and read the whole uh, damn weekend. 24 seven. Yeah. 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 And I was like, I was like in heaven. I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Never can get enough. Uh-uh. <laughs> There's just so many amazing writers out there, so many amazing books. And I just love that there's so many people out there now that aren't having to fit into the that confines. Box. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Most of what I read these days is indie published. Mm-hmm. And it's there's so much negativity out there about the indie author. There is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unjustified. It really is. Indie authors work just as hard as traditionally published authors without the resources that tra- yep. traditionally published author has. Right. Uh, it's, it's about the book and it's very hard. It's about the book. And if they write a good book, I don't know why anybody cares who publishes it. Oh, exactly. And you know, sometimes... Sometimes I kind of maybe have been shying away from those big publishing house books because they are like kind of the same. But it's like I don't, I don't want the stuff in the box. I I don't read a lot of traditionally published romance because I don't like secret babies and cowboys and right. I want something different. I mm-hmm. I write. Yeah. I tend to write beta males. And you mm-hmm. cannot find that in a lot of traditionally published romance. That's true. Yeah. So I, that's what I write. But I'm not saying there's anything wrong with alpha males right. in a romance. But I, I like things that are just now finding the interest of the traditional publisher. Right. I hope it gets bigger. I hope we continue to find the the marginalized voices, the unique voices out there. I hope we continue to realize that everybody has a story to tell. Yes. It yes. doesn't just have to be the secret cowboy baby billionaire recluse. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I am so happy you were talked with me today. Is there anything else you would like to say before we, we end our discussion, our chat? Thank you so much for having me. I think 
read, just read what you love. And if you're a writer, write what you love. Don't let yeah. anyone tell you that your book won't sell. If it won't sell, publish it yourself. Just be true to who you are as a writer. And if you don't know the answer to a question, reach out to someone. I've found the writing community normally to be some of the most accepting people I've ever found professionally in my career. Yeah. Um, I've never been told no by another author when I've asked a question. True. They've answered me to the best of their ability. Uh, so I'd like to pay that back in any way I can. So if you are a writer out there listening to this and you have a question and you think I can answer, please send me an email, send me a text, send me a, a Twitter or a tweet or whatever the other Insta things, social media messages <laughs> end up being. Right. I, I would love to answer the questions. Just do it. You do you. That's awesome. And I, yeah, I feel the same way. It's a great community and there's so many people that are just so great and so willing to talk with people and help others exactly. and, and lift them up. And yes, uh, yeah. I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. No one, no one loses when we all succeed. Oh, exactly. If, if I'm, if I'm lifting up another writer, that doesn't mean my books are going to sell less. That just means that somebody else is getting attention that they deserve. And hopefully that karma comes back to me eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, and it's fun to do. <laughs> it is. I, I, I love the day of the writer's conference. I love the day of book signings and I miss those days. I hope we get back to them again. But oh, until then, yeah, right. I enjoy the podcast and the social media and getting to talk to other writers about writer stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This was really fun. I really enjoyed our talk. It was really I did too. Time. Thank yeah. you for having me. I hope I can return the favor someday. And But I, I appreciate the chance to, to talk writing and talk books with you. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were entertained and learned and enjoyed our chat. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope that you follow my podcast so you do not miss any of the episodes. And please rate my podcast. Give me a comment. Comments and ratings help my podcast grow. Thank you so much for listening. I'll put my links down in the podcast notes so that you can find where I am on the internet. I also have books on Amazon, Erotic Romance, and Erotic Romance audiobooks as well. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a sexy fucking day. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.